Takwaye now presents Finale Part 1 from the Caraval Trilogy by Stephanie Garber. everyone to another episode of M&K Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford. Or I'm Katie Tobias. <gasps> I forgot. I'm Katie Tobias. No, well you still have to be Katie Bradford for the podcast. <laughs> okay, I'm Katie Bradford. Because <laughs> your name's on the logo. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Okay, that, that keep it simple. Okay, I'm Katie Bradford. <laughs> I'm still Marissa Snyder. <laughs> and this is our young adult fiction podcast where we talk about different book series. And right now we are starting the third book in the Caraval series by Stephanie Garber. It's called Finale, and we read up to chapter 31. Yep, and we should say this is our first time recording in... Over a month. Like, over a month? Yeah. Yeah. So even though you guys heard an episode last week, we recorded that a really long time ago. (laughs) We've had a long break. We've had a long vacation, so we're getting back in the swing of things. So hope you enjoy the hiccups that I'm sure we'll face. Lots of material for the bloopers reel. Well, the funny thing is, because we haven't recorded in so long, I also haven't read in so long. So I kind of, it was kind of weird because usually we're going through these books pretty fast. And if anything, we take a break in between series, but we haven't taken a break in between books in a really long time. And it was, again, a really long break. I read like, I don't know, 12 books in between this one and the last one or something. Same here. I had to go back and read all of my notes from the other two books because I'm not even kidding you. Like, I opened up the first chapter and I was like, who's Dante? And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) I should have had you email me the notes because, yeah, I was also like, well, I was looking at, does yours have a map at the beginning? Mm Mm-hmm. So the map at the beginning, I think, is really cool this time because it points out just, like, funny stuff like um, highly intelligent dog or (laughs) underground tunnels that lead out of town. But at first I was looking at it, I was like, I don't know what any of this stuff means. (laughs) I don't remember an intelligent dog. (laughs) But then most of the stuff we haven't heard about in the book, at least not so far. So I wonder if it's just funny stuff or if we're going to be going to a lot more places in the next few chapters. I don't know. If I was a map maker, I would put a ton of little Easter eggs in it that honestly made no sense. Yeah, it's it's a really fun map. I feel like it's more fun than the other ones. Like, I don't remember stuff like this from before, but maybe I'm, I didn't look very closely. Maybe it's wrong. This house is not what it seems. <laughs> Actual skeletons inside the closets pointing to one house. Um, oh, that's so funny. But again, maybe some of this stuff comes up later in the book. I don't know. Or maybe it's just random, like, fun facts. <laughs> well, I'm... A little concerned because we only have half a book left and I don't know if we have enough time for these little things in the map because we have so much still left to happen and I don't know how it's going to come together. Agreed. And okay, so the intro to this book, they talk about every story has four parts, the beginning, the middle, the almost ending, and the true ending. Mm -hmm. And we've just started the middle. Yep. <laughs> we have three parts to go, basically, because I think the middle is longer than the, like, four chapters we've read. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'm wondering, like, the thing that I, I think is a little strange about this book so far is I feel like we um, are being led down paths that don't lead to anywhere, which is, like, not necessarily a bad thing, but I'm wondering how much more of that's going to happen because, like... What do you mean? Like, what's an example? The thing that I was thinking about was... When Scarlett writes to Nicholas, her mm-hmm. fiancé, and she decides to meet him, and then Julian goes along as her chaperone, and she has that whole thing where she was like, we're going to have a competition, and we're going to see who can win mm-hmm. my hands, and you're all going to have a series of tasks to complete, and, you know, the person who brings me the best, yep. ta- like, the best gift, that's the first task, will get a kiss, and then the winner at the end will um, win her hand in marriage. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, I was excited to see how that played out. And then Nicholas died. Yeah. (laughs) And I was just like, what? Well, and she was going to call it off anyways. I don't even think Julian had done the first challenge yet. Like, I get that her heart belonged to Julian. She should have called out the contest. But it would have been fun if we had a round or two first. Yeah, and that was, but my whole research was based off of that. And then he died. And I was like, (laughs) well, I guess this isn't happening anymore. So I don't know. I, I don't necessarily mind that they took that out because... We don't have enough book left to go there, but I just yeah. thought it was weird that they put it in 
at all if like nothing was going to happen with it. Yeah, that's fair. I think I'm also so I feel like Scarlet and Tella are different enough characters with different enough motivations and storylines that I like them as distinct characters, but something about their voice, I'm still having trouble like switching back and forth between them now. Mm-hmm. Where sometimes I am getting confused about which girl's perspective I'm reading while I'm reading it. Especially because it doesn't keep, sh- it's not like consistent. It's not like one chapter, one chapter. I, I feel like that cadence would help me more in some ways because it's like you read three chapters on one girl and you're like kind of into it mm-hmm. and then you like all of a sudden switch from one chapter and then that, I don't know it's just I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with that part but I like that we're getting both girls because I wasn't sure whose perspective they were going to use for the third book I mean it kind of makes sense that like first book was Scarlet second book was Tella now it's both of them because now they're really their stories are both unfolding and we yeah. really need to know what happens to to everyone at this point so yeah I like that it's switching but I agree with you it's a little bit hard to keep track of who's who especially now that like Dante is interacting with Scarlet and Julian is interacting with Tella because before it was like I would keep them straight because I'd be like okay here's Jax and here's Dante so this is a Tella chapter yep but now everyone's coming together true and I like so the first book was Scarlet's perspective. It was fun. It was good. We got introduced to Carval and a bunch of this other stuff. The second book, I felt like the stakes were raising with Tella. So I'm glad that now that we're back with Scarlet, her stakes are also raising. So we found out that she's half fate or what What do you even call her? So her dad is Gavriel, who is the fallen star. Yep. So that's why she can like see other people's emotions as colors. And so she's not a fate, but since she's his daughter, she can become a fate. Yep. And that was, like, the whole thing, I think, that the Fallen Star's offering her at the end when he was like, when I ascend the throne, I will share the entire empire with you if you become what I want you to be. So do you think their mom is really dead? No. Well, I think she's dead, but I think I think that Tella's going to go back and find that fate, that guy who can travel through time. What's his name? The assassin. Oh, yeah. So... Oh, yeah, yeah. I think Tella's going to try to find the assassin and get him to take her back through time so she can um, change her mother's fate. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like that can't be the end of the mother, especially now that we have all these, like, additional questions, which we had a lot to begin with, I guess, too. But I want to know, like, what she was thinking when she died. <laughs> I want I have more questions about her marrying their other dad and leaving them in the like I just I have all these questions yeah and I think it's interesting too how um like the whole thing with their mother Paloma we can call her Paloma or we can call her Paradise um with her and Gavriel how she forced him back into the deck of destiny when she learned that he was a fate so she's was the reason he was trapped but then okay the whole thing about like finding the fate's weaknesses and they learned that it's love, like love is the fate's weakness. So if, if they feel true love for someone, they become mortal for a minute. And if they continue to love, they become fully mortal and they can die. So they, they lose their <laughs> immortality. And so the whole thing is like fates will rather kill the object of their affection rather than feel love. So I think that's why Paloma got rid of Gavriel, like because she, she was afraid that he would kill her, I think. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, I thought you were saying the reason she stabbed him. I thought she was trying to make him love her. She was thinking that she could make him mortal in the moment where she stabbed him. Oh, yes. Yes, you're right about that. But I was talking about when she she put him in the deck because she panicked and she was like, oh my god, he's danger. falling in love with me. I'm in danger. He's going to try and kill me so he doesn't mm-hmm. lose his immortality. This whole That whole idea is interesting. Like, they can obsess and possess... But they can't, yeah, but the love turns them mortal. I like that idea, too. It's kind of a cool concept. It's a great idea. Like, it's very creative. So, I and I think that that is Jax's weakness, too. Yeah. Like, I think that's pretty much all the Fates' weakness. Yep. So now it makes me a little bit worried about Tella, because if Jax has the same fate and he'd rather kill the person he loves than lose his immortality, I'm a little worried for well, her. What do you think about Dante slash Legend trying to convince her to become immortal now that she like do you think he's just doing that to protect himself or do you think like Tella kind of suspects or do you think it's he doesn't want her to die um okay so that's a good question and I honestly I could not blame Julian at all Dante or Julian oh sorry 
was it Doug? That was when they were like in the maze. And she thought he was going to propose, but instead oh, yeah. he was like, I want to protect, he framed it like, I want to protect you and yes. like we can live forever. And it seemed kind of like this really romantic gesture. But then Tella, who knows all this other stuff about how the fates work or these immortals work and what we just right. kind of talked about with passion and love or um, obsession and love and all this stuff. She thinks he's just trying to save himself, basically. He won't let himself fully love her. Okay, yes. But here's the thing. I don't blame Dante because I feel like asking somebody to give up your immortality is like a mm-hmm. very huge ask. It's not just, be, it's not like, hey, you know, give up peanuts because I'm allergic to them. It's like, give up your life, your whole immortal life. Like, I just feel like it's it's a lot to ask of someone. And I don't think it means that he doesn't love her if he doesn't want to give that up. Like, and I think, I don't think it's fair for Tella to be like, well, you don't love me enough that you would give up your immortality for me. Like, excuse me? But he, supposedly he can't love her unless he's mortal, Right. If he's experiencing love for her, he becomes mortal. That's true. So it is, I mean, it is kind of like an either or, but it does, it is a crazy big ask. It's not like, it's not like a small, obvious trade-off. It's like two really big things to like have love for a finite amount of time or to live forever and come back to life. Right. And that's a good question because they did say like love is poison to the fates. So the idea of like love being deadly to them, but it's not deadly. It just... You become mortal. Like, you can die. It's not like you're going to drop dead immediately. But that is interesting because how does that work? Do they become the age that they are right now? Or do they become the age, you know, because they've been alive for so long. (laughs) I hope not. That would be terrible. Julian would be like 500. Well, and that's the other thing because Julian is mortal, right? He's not a, so he's ageless. Julian is ageless. he's mortal. Yeah. Yeah. He can die. Can Dante just do that? (laughs) Can they all just do that? (laughs) Be ageless and... Ageless but mortal. <laughs> I would like to do that. I mean, because then you, you you still die in certain situations, but it's not like you just die of old age and your body fails. You'll just look beautiful yeah. until you die. I'll take it. Uh-huh, same here. Sign me up. <sighs> so I really want to learn more about this Gavriel guy, the fallen star. I'm like very intrigued about him and Paloma. I'm curious about what it is that he wants Scarlet to become. Yeah, well, and there's also, there's all these fates. I'm curious if we're going to see more of a lot of them or if we're just going to kind of focus on the fallen star. And who's the one that's locked up in his castle or whatever? What's her name again? Oh, Lady Prisoner. The Lady Prisoner, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious about her too. And we still Agreed. have all these faded objects. So we have the key. Scarlet has the key, which if she puts it in any lock, she can go like see a person that she wants to see. But I'm curious oh, yeah. if we're going to see more of the different objects or, you know, we've talked about that what's it, the Vanished Market um, as a place. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of, like, basically there's a ton of other stuff as part of this kind of magic portion of the world. And I'm curious how much of it we're going to see. And then what happened to the witch who Dante, like, turned into oh, the right. church or whatever? Esmeralda. Yeah. Um, so Esmeralda was the witch who used to be the Fallen Star's consort. And then she helped the Fallen Star create the fates. And she also helped create legend, and she also put the fates in the cards? Yes. She helped trap the fates, and she gave legend his powers. Yes. And that's why, so that, there was that weird scene where, um, legend, like, takes all of her powers. Yeah. Right? Because she was like, she was like, oh yeah, you can have a little bit of my power because uh, yeah he was like my magic's fading and then he like takes all of and it and then we find out he was like <laughs> filling out his debt that he took on to help Tella mm-hmm. and then at the same time okay so then this is the other this is these are all kind of connected there's all these like big plots going on so that was the debt that he paid to the temple of the stars right yes. they wanted Esmeralda to face trial they wanted her to face trial for putting the fates in the deck, I okay. think. But we don't really know that. We just know that he, he turned her into the group. We don't really know what their motivation is. Do we? Or do we? Oh, no. They Yeah, they want to make her face trial for creating the, the fates. And that's why he was, like, delivering her to them that as part of his, as part of his death. And then the other question I have. So back when we were in this maze and they were talking about whether or not there would be mortal or be in love or whatever... Um, the fates kill Dante. We know he's immortal, so he'll come back to life. Mm-hmm. But the fates and no one else knows that Dante's 
immortal because they don't know he's really legend. Right. So the plan is the heir is dead. The undead king and queen or whatever their names are are going to take over the throne. And then the fallen star is going to like be the savior, Mm -hmm. at least at first. Right. Yeah. And take power. But Jax, who's a fate, does know. Does he know that Dante's legendary just knows that Dante was in her dreams? Because remember Tella, so only, I think only these immortal people can go to people's dreams like this. And it used Mm -hmm. to be that Dante was visiting Tella all the time, and then she allows Jackson to her dream, and they're both there, but she doesn't even know she's dreaming at first. Right. That was weird. (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. I was, like, struggling with that scene a little bit, but. So I guess my question is, does Jax know that Dante is legend, and is Jax going to tell anyone? I don't think he knows. So what did he think when he saw Dante in her dream? Uh, Maybe he does then. Maybe he just assumes he's, like, one of Legend's players. I don't know. Because at first I thought that because they knew that Dante was Legend, it's why he was killed. But then we find out it's this other plot where they were just trying to kill the the heir. Right. So. But now I think the Fallen Star is going to take over. And then I think that Scarlet is going to be the key to defeating him. Because, like... They say that that all of the fates are tied to the Fallen Star, and to defeat them, you have to first kill the Fallen Star. So is it Scarlet's plan now to make him love her? Like as a father? Yeah, because she was like, if I I conquer my powers, if I become what he wants me to be, I could make him love, I could turn him human, and then we could defeat him. I guess that makes sense. If she can push her emotions on a people? Yeah. And she can... And her power can control fates? That would make sense. That seems like a good plan. But if she becomes a fate or whatever, then when they destroy all of them... What's she going to do with Julian? What does that do? Or does she just then fall in love with Julian? How can she even become a fate if she's in love? And Julian wouldn't be able to fall in love with her then, because he's mortal. Or he could fall in love with her, but she couldn't fall in love with him back. I don't know. Oof. This is so complicated. Well, and then I'm curious what Jax is all about, because... At first he was oh, yeah. at first he was going to be the emperor by himself and somehow he got out of the deck before everyone else. I don't get how the fates interact with each other. It kind of reminds me of like Greek gods, you know, like they're kind of all against the mortals but they're also mm-hmm. have a lot of like fighting amongst themselves. But I don't yeah. fully understand like the politics going on yet. So I'm curious if Jax could ultimately like how much we should trust him. I agree because he I don't know, he just hasn't proven himself to be very trustworthy so far. Well, he's I feel like he's technically truthful, kind of in the same way that Caraval, you know, like all the like deals they've made in the games and stuff. It's like you agreed to what you agreed to, but technically no one broke the rules. But, you know, just like these little it's like technically. Yeah, they're little technicalities, little loopholes. I just uh, I just don't know if he's going to kill Tella to prevent him from loving her. That's what I'm worried about. I also feel like, again, we're back to this place where everyone's keeping all these secrets and they just need to all team up and be like okay here's all the information we're all on the same side Mm -hmm. let's do this well I think they're starting to work together because like now they're going to the vanished market right one of the other eight faded places and they're gonna try and find another way to kill fate yeah now it's Tella and Julian doing that Scarlet's off with her dad her real dad and Dante's coming back from the dead somewhere (laughs) Is that what's going on? Still in the maze. <laughs> that was so weird when they were like, you didn't even see him die. They were just like, oh, by the way, Dante. Well, because all his magic stopped working. <laughs> I know, but it was just so which, weird. Which would also prove that he was legend, right? Even if they didn't know. Like, in the same way that Tella was like, oh, all of legend's magic stopped working. He must be dead. Wouldn't they be like, oh, we just killed this guy and all the legend's magic stopped working. He must be legend. Would they not think that? That we might see that in the next half, people being suspicious about That's that. True. <laughs> I I mean, I really love the whole fate thing and like how there's eight faded objects and eight faded locations. I wish we had seen it a little sooner though. Like there was none of it in Caraval at all, like the first book. It just really started to come into play in the second two books. And I kinda wish that it had started a little bit earlier yeah. so that we got to see more of these like faded objects and interact with the fates more because they're so fun it is really fun i'm curious then to that point i wonder if she knew she was doing a trilogy from the beginning or if she wrote the first book and then kind of built a bigger world and second story and whatnot from there yeah that's a good question i think it's like i i can't imagine 
writing a book and then showing it or like writing a series and showing someone the first book before you know what what's going to happen in the second and third like that would freak me out so much because I'd be like what if I can't do it like what if there's no way to extend it and make it into a full series you know well again I don't know what the deal was initially I think by the time she wrote the end of the first book like because she had the uh the coin and and yeah. Like, there was a couple of things at the very end of the first book that led into the second book. That part, she probably had to think about the next two books. But I wonder if her original idea was just, like, this kind of magical game, and then the rest came later. Very good question. I don't... Yeah, I'm just curious who knows what from the bad guys. Like, are are the fates... Do they just want to take over the world again? Are they still mad and need to kill Legend to get their powers fully back? Are both of those things true? Because I feel like if... At first, in the last book or whatever, I thought that they wanted to get their power back from Legend. I thought that was their main focus. In this Mm -hmm. book, since they don't know Legend is Dante, it feels like they're just trying to take over the country or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, because they're going to take over the throne and they'll be able to rule from there. And then I'm kind of curious, how are the fates different from Legend? Like, is he just a younger fate, essentially? Like, what makes them fates versus just a category called immortals? You know what I mean? Oh, that's a good question. Just because they've been part of legend longer? I mean, not legend. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly don't know. That's fair. I don't know either. But okay, here's the thing. I'm like, and I'm very upset because I wanted to research pirates for this week because I was really interested about how Dante and Julian, like legend and Julian, were brothers in that whole story. And I wanted their background because I was like, that will give us more insight into, you know, who Legend is and how did he get his powers exactly and what did his brother have to do with it and, like, why are they still so close? And, like, I really wanted their backstory and there were pirates involved and then we didn't get it. Yeah, hopefully we still will. Again, we're just at the middle right now. That's true. And we're going to have two endings, an almost ending and the true ending. And a true ending. So there better be pirates in the next book, I'm just saying. (laughs) I want Julian and Dante's backstory. Well, and again, to your point, we know a little bit about Dante's backstory, but not really about Julian's backstory, because if they really are brothers and Dante... Yeah. 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 How did one get all the power and one is just, like, the sidekick? I don't know, man. I don't know, man! (laughs) And I want to find out! Okay, so what's going to happen? So, Scarlet... I mean, yeah. Scarlet is going to go back to her dad and probably become a fate. And make him love her. Without knowing the true consequences of that. And at the same time, Tella and Julian are going to go find out something else from the vanishing market. And they're going to be like, ooh, Scarlet really shouldn't become a fate, but they're going to be too late. Oh, you think they're going to be too late? (gasps) I think. Yeah, that's probably true. They'll find a new way to destroy the fates. Okay, so at the end of the day, do you think Legend and Scarlet are both alive? And if so, do you think they're immortal alive or human alive? Oh, for all I know, they're going to be turned into stones or, like, <laughs> turned into marionettes and, like, will live that way for the rest of their lives. Like, True. I have no idea. Or it'll be some tragic story with, like, that princess in the maze where, remember that whole background? Oh, yeah. The whole story of the midnight maze because there, there was, like, a princess and a prince and he told the princess that there would be a prize in the center of the maze and then he was going to propose to her when he found her. And then she entered the maze and she was never seen again. Yeah. Well, maybe Dante will never be seen again. No. I think, I think Dante becomes human at the end of the book. I think he's alive, but human. Okay. And then do you think that Tella is going to be alive and human? Yeah, I think they're going to end up together mortally. So you think Dante's going to give up his immortality for Tella? I kind of think he's not going to have a choice. I think he's going to lose his immortality. I don't think he's going to choose to give it up. But I would like it if he chose to give it up. But that's my prediction. I would rather become immortal, just saying. Like, if I was Tella, I'd be like, uh, sure, make me immortal. I think they're going to get rid... I think whatever they do to get rid of the fates is going to, like, get rid of all the magic and immortality stuff. Yeah, it's just so stupid. Like, if you had the choice of being like, let's uh, let's both be mortal or let's both be immortal, like, which one would you choose? I would choose immortal. Okay, but have you been reading this book? These... Em- these <laughs> <laughs> immortal people, they're not just, like, living forever and doing human things. They, like, lose their true human emotions and become really evil and manipulative. That's fine. Note to self. But at least they'll be doing it together. Yeah. I'm team immortality. 
This is so funny because I feel like that would usually be what I would pick. I'm not usually the one who's like, no, true love. Maybe it's just because I just got married or something. You just I don't know. got married. But I'm I'm on the side of, no, be human and in love together. <laughs> okay, but what I think, I think if anything, I think if anyone stays immortal at the end of the day, I think it's going to be Scarlet. Ooh, but then the sisters will be separated and they won't be able to truly love each other. <laughs> yeah, but Scarlet has her weird emotion power and she's... Well, I don't know how the other fates were created, but I think she's kind of different because she's a human with power. Yes. So she's almost like a demigod, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. She's like Percy Jackson. <laughs> I think somehow Scarlet wins. <laughs> Scarlet wins. That's how it's yeah, going to Yeah, she's going to... Legend's okay. going to lose his power. She's going to have all the magic that's left. But then she'll turn evil. No, but somehow she won't turn evil because she's Scarlet and she's... I don't okay. know. I, I like that idea. What are your predictions? <laughs> um, These are probably all completely wrong. Probably Dante's dead, Scarlet is an evil god, or evil fate, and Tella's empress. <laughs> I think that, I really think that Tella's going to try and bring her mom back, and I think she's going to have a run-in with this assassin fate, and the whole thing was like, people who try and call on the assassin fate, they say that they disappear and sometimes are never found. So uh-huh. I think Tella's going to disappear and never be found. <laughs> never ever? Or just never for now? Ever. Okay. <laughs> that would be a terrible ending. But I think something's going to happen with the um, assassin fate and bringing back Paloma. Okay. Do you think anyone's going to die? I don't know. Because like the dying thing is kind of getting old because people die and then are brought back. Like, Paloma is dead, but she might come back now. I think the only one who is going to stay dead is Nicholas. Poor Nicholas. Poor Nicholas to what's-his-face. No one cares about him. <laughs> <laughs> Least of all, Julian. Okay, um, I think Julian's going to die. Yeah, I would. I could see that. But if any of the main four die, I think it's going to be Julian. I think Dante's okay. going to become mortal and Julian's going to die. And then Scarlet will be immortal, and it won't matter if she can't love. And Scarlet will never want to love again, and she'll just stay immortal forever, and Tella will marry Dante. I think Scarlet's going to take over the throne. I could see that. And I think she does defeat her dad, but I think she, before she does, she feels for him. She, does, she doesn't just make him love her, but I think she ends up loving him too. That would be nice because she never really loved her. I mean, not that she didn't love her mom, but like her feelings for her mother were very complicated because yeah. she left. So it would be nice for her to like find the love of another parent and like have it returned. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to predict right now. <laughs> I'm curious to know what you researched since we couldn't research pirates this week. Okay. Um, so <laughs> you sound very part excited. <laughs> of this book. Part of, like, the state... So, at the end of the last book, the Empress dies and Dante becomes the heir, but we're in a mourning period. And mm. at the near the beginning of this book, the mourning period ends and they start the countdown for the coronation and that's when Scarlet can go see Nicholas and whatnot. So, I was kind of looking at different mourning and funeral rituals around the world. Ooh, okay. Some of the stuff I didn't know before, some of it I did, but um, I think this is kind of a cool thing that I did know about before, but you know in New Orleans how they do, like, the jazz funeral processions? Mm-hmm. I think that's just, like, kind of a cool way to, like, it's sort of your grief meeting your joy, and it's, mm-hmm. like, kind of a celebration of life, and the band is supposed to kind of, like, play some sorrowful songs at first, but once the body's buried, it becomes this kind of, like, upbeat kind of celebration and dancing, and again, kind of like a commemoration of the life of the person instead of, like, dwelling on the dead part of them. Yes. But then there were some cool traditions that I didn't know anything about. So in South Korea, did you know that as of a law passed in 2000, anyone who buries a loved one has to remove the grave after 60 years? Why? Like the whole grave, like body included? So yeah, I guess they don't have enough like graveyard space there. So in general, Mm. cremation has become a lot more popular, but they've also, there's Um, like a bunch of these companies that will take the ashes that have been cremated and turn them into different like turquoise, pink or black beads called death beads. And oh, I did know that. You did know this? I had never heard of it before. Yeah. So I think I think I researched it one time. Oh, did I not? (laughs) Did I forget? I don't remember talking about that. I think I did because I remember I remember talking about the beads that they it's like they compress the ashes and and form like um, necklaces. Yeah. Right? Well, no, they okay. said they're usually not strong on the necklaces. Usually they're like in a oh, jar okay. or some kind of just dis- like it's like a display. 
So you know how like you might put the, gotcha. the ashes in an urn somewhere? I think it's kind of mm-hmm. just like a different way of displaying the, the beads. I love that. Let's see. What are some other ones? I also heard of ones where like they turn, they can turn you into trees or like green oh, spaces. Oh, that is cool. Mm-hmm. Which I really like. Mm-hmm. There's like a park. I forget where it is, but there's um, a park or maybe like a plan for a park where all of the greenery is um, like made from people's ashes. Oh, that's kind of cool. Which is like a little morbid, but like it also is just a great way to like create more green space in a city. And like you said, you know, preserve land for other things besides burial. Well, yeah. So I was reading a little bit. So there's green funerals that's popular in the U.S. So they said the Green Burial Mm -hmm. Council has approved 40 environmentally friendly cemeteries in the U.S., but there's also the option to become a memorial reef ball where you're compressed into a sphere and then attached to a reef in the ocean so that you, like, give back to aquatic life. Oh, yeah. And that, and you become, like, a yeah. habitat for wildlife. So if we, yep. have we researched all this before and I've just forgotten? Is that what we're learning? <laughs> it's bound to um, happen. Some of it. I think some of it. <laughs> But that's okay. Keep going. I'm sure you researched some things that I Um, In Ghana, they have, they call them fantasy coffins. So. Oh, yep. uh, I know that one. (laughs) Like where your coffin shaped like a race car. Yeah. So something that you loved in life. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm probably reading the same article that you did. I don't know. When did we talk (laughs) about this before? How did I forget it all? This is what I, this has been my biggest fear since we started the podcast. (laughs) And it's finally happened, 100 episodes <laughs> in. I mean, that's a pretty good record. Yeah. We researched it whenever we did, um, I want to say it was one of Lee Bardugo's books. There was like a funeral. Well, for better or worse, at least I didn't research something I had researched before. That's that would true. be really embarrassing. That's true. <laughs> we'll keep going. Maybe maybe uh, there's something I haven't heard of. No, I'm now I'm like, I'm pretty sure I have. Well, now I can't remember if I just read it earlier this week or if... <laughs> I've heard it from you before. Oh. Is one of them a tree? There, I did read, I think I read something about people who bury people in hollow trees. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so in Madagascar, there's this ritual called Famadahana, which means the turning of the bones. And every like five to seven mm-hmm. years, the family has a celebration at their ancestral crypt. And they the bodies have been like wrapped in cloth and they take the cloth and spray it with wine or perfume and they like dance with Mm. the bodies in the cloth they dance with them yeah there's like a band and it's like a big lively event and they it's like a time to ask your ancestors for blessings and to like share news with the deceased and kind of celebrate people who've died i did not learn about that one that's very interesting let's just pretend that's the only thing i looked up (laughs) okay This is so funny. I'm so embarrassed, though. I can't believe I forgot our... Oh, no. I should have just pretended no, that I didn't recognize Because probably some of our listeners, like, that's the last one they listen to, and they're like, wow, this girl is dumb. <laughs> our ratings just plummeted. <laughs> yeah, there's somewhere they, like, dress people up to look like they're still alive. and. Oh, really? I mean, we kind of do that. You know, like when you have an open casket, you kind of dress them up and... Yeah, they do things to the extent where they're like sitting up in a chair with a lit cigarette at their lips. Oh, wow. Like that's wow. how far they'll take this <laughs> idea. It was the Tinguian people. See, I feel like that would be... Um, for me, I think that would be hard because it would just mess with my mind a little bit. Like to see someone who's not alive acting like... Not acting, but like looking like they're still alive. Well, even... Um, like the embalming process at a, at a kind of more traditional Western funeral. It's like that weird where they like mm-hmm. look alive, but they also don't look like themselves at all. Even the, even when it's like done really well, right. you know, it's like, I feel like it yeah. would just be kind of trippy. Oh, a hundred percent. I always wonder about people whose job it is to like do the makeup and hair and nails and stuff of deceased. I feel like you get a lot out of it though. As morbid as it sounds, I feel like it could be very fulfilling. Well, I think it would be really nice to do like old people who have passed away from either natural causes or you know like have had long happy lives and but like anything from like a tragic accident or something like that would be really really hard if it's a younger person that's 
hard. Okay, well, I didn't do any other good research. I had a lot of other ideas, and I just didn't really... Okay, so even though we had over a month to do this, so part of why we took such a long break is because the book wasn't out until the week of my wedding. And then I went on my two-week honeymoon where I didn't read it all, and then I've been back for just over a week now. And I was expecting to, like, come back off of this nice long vacation and, like, have life be easy and smooth because we didn't have wedding planning to deal with and James is enough class. But it's been so busy. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, um, I did not research pirates, unfortunately. Hopefully I will get to do that next week. To be fair, we've done a lot of pirate research over the episodes as well. That's true. But the thing that I found was called That Time Julius Caesar Was Kidnapped by Pirates. That was the name of the article, and I was really excited to go into it. But anyway. We'll definitely have to do that eventually. um, (laughs) This research is actually kind of exciting, though, because it incorporates my newest obsession. Okay, which is? The Bachelorette. (laughs) (laughs) So as I said, this was inspired by Scarlett's competition with Nicholas and Julian, which never came about. So it doesn't really make sense now, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I know, I knew you were going to love this because you've been talking about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette like since I knew you. And I was always like, I've never seen an episode. I don't watch that show. Like was not able to connect with you. And I finally watched my first episode a few weeks ago when this newest Bachelorette episode aired. And I'm Team Hannah. Hannah. Alabama Hannah. Alabama Hannah. Yep. Um, And boy, did I get sucked in fast. It is. It's really easy to get sucked in. And I hate reality TV. And that's what they do because season to season, you'll fall in love with one of these men who don't get chosen. And then next season, they'll be The Bachelor. So you'll already be hooked. Yeah, And that's how you keep going. That's what I heard. Because I, I had no idea who Hannah was. And my cousins was, was like, oh, she was on the last season. And we like her. And I was like, okay. I've gotten out of it multiple times. And somehow I just watched like one episode of a new season. And then I'm sucked in for years. <laughs> it's just a never-ending cycle. <laughs> James is obsessed. He's like, I would have stopped watching it. I'm not, I wasn't super in Alabama <laughs> Hannah. I don't have like a problem with her. I just like, I didn't feel like I needed to watch her love story. But James was like, no, we have to watch. So that was the only <laughs> show we watched on our honeymoon. Um, oh my God. That's yeah. <laughs> well, I tried to watch it when I was on vacation last week and I turned it on because I, I, you know, I filled out a bracket and I have to keep up with this stuff now. I'm committed. Um, and everyone left the room. Like, every single person left the room when I turned it on. They were like, oh, my God, we can't watch this. And the only person who stuck with me was my mother-in-law. <laughs> and she was like, I'll watch this with you. So thanks to Grace for keeping me company. Just wait until you're following them all on Instagram. And, oh. like, I'm randomly really invested in these people's lives. And even when I am, I'm like, this is stupid. I don't want to be this person. But I'm going to read five more articles before I put my phone down. <laughs> I'm not allowing myself to look for them on Instagram because I just know that will be a slippery slope that I don't want to go down. Famous last words. <laughs> just wait. Let's see. In two years, we're going to check back in and see how many of them you follow on Instagram. Oh, my gosh. Well, the whole thing was meant to be um, a palette cleanser from Game of Thrones because we just finished Game of Thrones and it was like every weekend you were like biting your nails, freaking out, having terrible dreams the night after. And so this is meant to be like a nice little relaxing break from that. And it's not relaxing at all. Like it makes me so anxious to there's watch. So much drama. There's so much drama. Yeah. And I'm not used to it. Like I don't ever watch things like that. So it hasn't been the easy breezy show that I was hoping for. But I'm still it pretty is, hooked. It does make me feel better about my life though. Like when I'm watching it, part <laughs> of me is like, ooh, I wish I could go on all these fun adventures. And the other part of me is like, oh my goodness, thank God I found James and have this life that I have and whatever you know just all this it does make me appreciate certain things a lot 100% agree and the fact that James is obsessed with it did I I would say made our honeymoon even better because he has all these great date ideas Mm, that's right you went like horseback riding and swam with sharks yeah UTVing and got in a little nine-person plane and yeah all kinds of stuff all the stuff I would never do That's awesome. Well, do you want to hear some fun facts about The Bachelorette? Because that's what I researched. I would love to. And I'm going to take notes so I can tell James. Okay. So it's been on for 22 seasons since it premiered in 2002. This is The Bachelor. Um, In terms of success rate, six out of the 13 couples on The Bachelorette are still together, but only two out of the 21 Bachelor pairs are still together. 
And there have been eight babies born to the couples. Does that include the ones who came out of, like, Bachelor in Paradise couplings? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because there are yeah. a lot of couples who meet on these spinoff shows. They were both contestants, but they weren't. It wasn't like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Oh, okay. Um, this is interesting. So I guess the filming is super grueling. So they say the first night when everyone arrives at the mansion, the first night of filming goes the entire night and usually ends around 7 a.m. And then after that, each of the other nights lasts until around 3 or 4 a.m. So they're long. Well, it's funny because you're kind of watching the show and you're like, it feels like it would have been so quick. Mm -hmm. But then you're like, wow, like full day dates, back to back to back. And then Mm -hmm. these parties where you're talking to like 20 plus people, I'm already exhausted. They said the rose ceremony alone can take more than an hour to film because you can't, like, she, like, Hannah can't remember all of the names of the people. So the producer has flashcards with the pictures and names of every contestant. And they go into a private room and she memorizes, like, three names and then goes out and they film mm-hmm. that section. And then she goes back and, like, memorizes three other names and then they go back and film that. So it's like, it's not continuous filming yeah I have heard that before but they also sometimes they mess up the names that's funny to watch when they call <gasps> oh, someone no. and the person's like yay and they're like "Ooh, no it's only I think it's Ooh, only I've happened like once or that. maybe twice but that would be scary that would be the worst I'm so bad at names oh yeah I mean I would be a disaster on this show I, all the contestants would probably leave <laughs> like I'm not even kidding <laughs> um so this is interesting they say that like, because you were saying these days are so long and they have all these dates and, like, you have to get one-on-one time with people. They said that they only spend about 72 hours total with each person. So, like, the person you choose at the final ceremony, you've only spent time with them for about 72 hours. Well, and I think it's funny. And this actually happened in this season where one of the guys kind of called it out, too. But at the end of the day, the winner – or, you know, there's, like, two people left and the bachelor or bachelorette – breaks up with one and proposes or asks the other person to propose to them. It's like if it all runs smoothly. Mm -hmm. But in like week two, the people freak out if one of their 20 boyfriends has been talking to another girl or something. And I'm kind of like, yes, like if you're going on the show, you should be open to love. But also, odds are you're not going to win. And even if you do win, literally I'm dating you and you're dating multiple people at the same time. Like it kind of seems... yeah. There's a weird double standard. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think you should have, like, a serious girl from back home that you're planning to go back to or anything. But I, I'm kind of, like, the, this season it was someone who she, he had been, like, talking to about if he yeah. kind of, and, and it wasn't, like, a great thing. But I kind of was, like, but also you're literally talking to 20 guys right now. So. Can you blame him? Yeah. Yeah. She was very mad at him, too. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I get that because. She is there to find love and get married and yada. It's just kind of, it's just a weird concept. I get like get fired up about it. On, but then I watch, I watch it all the time. Well, I also learned that um, the mansion that they live in has no air conditioning. What? I did not know yeah. that. It has no air conditioning and everyone has to do their own cooking and their own laundry and their own cleaning. I did hear that part. And you have to pay for all of your own clothes, except for, I think they give you like two outfits. Like, I think they style you for, like, maybe the first night and the last night. So you have to pay for all your own clothes. And you're only allowed to bring two suitcases for however many weeks it is. I'm not a pro yet, so I don't know all the specifics. Think about how, like, I'm just thinking, like, when do you wear your best outfits, right? Yeah. Like, do you save them so that, like, if you make it further, you have your best outfits later? Or do you wear them in case you don't make – or I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Yeah, I would be <laughs> – that would be so stressful to me. <laughs> Because I wear, like, the same, like, six outfits all the time, I feel like. So I'd be like, okay, what I'm going to wear my best for? date outfit. Like, what do I do on my next date? Oh, yeah. It takes me forever to plan out my outfit when I'm, like, just going to a beach where I'm just wearing a swimsuit all day. <laughs> same. Oh, man. Um, okay, so the rings that they use at the end, they also belong to the show. Mm-hmm. And if you break up within two years, you have to return it. It's two years? I thought it was one year. Oh, man. After two years, you have to provide written notice if you're selling it. Oh, okay. Um, I also learned that all the food you see is fake. Really? Yeah. They said anytime that food is served at like a fancy dinner party or like if you see them going out to like a romantic dinner, they've eaten before at the mansion and the food that they're actually served is fake. 
And the reason they do that is because um, microphones pick up the sounds of eating and it's like not attractive. And so <laughs> next time I want to pay attention because like I'm, I'm sure I've seen episodes where there's like a nice dinner and it, the food's not real. Or if it's real, they're not allowed to eat Well, it. the funny thing is I've commented, I've commented on how they like never actually seem to eat. But I didn't realize they actually didn't eat. I thought they just didn't show no. it to us on film. Because it is kind of funny because they're sitting at these like nice dinners and they don't even touch their yeah. food. And you're like, because to me, especially after some of these dates, I'd be starving. Oh, man, I'd be stuffing. That's probably why they eat before because they're like stuffing, <laughs> yeah, that's true. you know, mozzarella sticks in their face. Um, so then I started researching. Um, I started researching rings, actually, like uh-huh. engagement rings. And maybe it's because you were getting married and <laughs> I had that in the back of my mind. Um, so the first case of people exchanging rings were in ancient Egypt. Um, Egyptians believed that circles were symbols of eternity and they exchanged rings made out of braided reeds. Hmm. And the I think you know this, that the ring is worn on the left-hand ring finger because it has a vein that runs to the heart. I have heard that, yes. I also, wait, one quick thing back on Bachelor. You should watch <laughs> this show called Unreal. It's about like producing a show almost exactly like The Bachelor, but it's called something else. And it's written by someone who used to be a producer on The Bachelor. And it is fascinating if you... Like, I feel like it adds so much to watching The Bachelor, too, because you think about all the stuff that they're, like, being set up to do or... Ooh, I would love that. Like, especially with the drama, like, just thinking about, like, I'm sure they're, like, locked up in this house together and there's probably some producer or some person working there who's, like, kind of egging them on or feeding certain insecurities or, like, encouraging them to interrupt now or do... You know, like, almost everything that happens, the producers, at a minimum, have to allow even if they don't set it up. You know, I mean, like, if they really didn't want someone to interrupt, they could stop them kind of thing. <laughs> so. Oh, they should have stopped Cam. Well, God damn well, it, Well, so I was Cam. reading this blog of this old Bachelorette contestant about how she's convinced that the producers, like, told him this was his only chance to talk to her and, like, he had to go in now. And, like, he didn't know what they were talking about, damn. but it was still so annoying. My ABC always be Cam was the most annoying thing. <laughs> I was like, don't say that ever again. <laughs> we kept saying always be creepy. And then at the end, we were like, ABC. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, sorry. Back to engagement ring stuff. Um, actually, that's all I had. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but I did read that um, the producers try to ply contestants with alcohol or they'll purposely sleep deprive them to get like... Emotional. Um, you know, these emotional outbursts that they have, which is so awful. You should watch Unreal. Well, again, like, I don't know why. I don't know why. Like, it's so it's much. So it's so entertaining. Bad. And it's so funny because I, like, started watching it when they were all older than me. And now I, like, sometimes forget. But I'm like, oh, wait, this girl's, like, 23. What is she doing on the show? Or, you know, this girl, this guy's 20. I'm like, how have they given up on finding love in a different way already? And the truth is they probably, a lot of them, I think, are just there for the experience and the adventure and the publicity and the whatever. Not, I think that like you do. I think that environment does create real emotions, at least in in the nutshell. That is the bat. Like if you're living with someone, or you know, living away from everything else in your life for six weeks, and your whole life is around this girl or this guy, I think you do develop real feelings. But I don't like mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people are going. I met someone on the who was on The Bachelor. Who'd you meet at a party, Anthony? Okay. Um, I just met him at like a random house party, and he was super nice. And we were, you know, chatting, and he was like, yeah, I was on an episode of The Bachelor, and I was literally, like, the worst person he could have said that to, because I had never seen it, and I was just like, oh, that's cool. Um, But I told someone else, and they were freaking out about it, and they were like, oh my god, you met him at a party, and I was just like, yeah, he was super nice. But someone asked him, like, did you really go on it, like, thinking you'd find love? And he had such a great response, he was like... I think you can make a human connection anywhere, and that's just, like, another opportunity. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I love that. Like, he was he was great. Well, and that's honestly what I think. Even with, like, online dating and stuff, too, it's like, or, you know, like, any, like you the way you meet someone doesn't really matter. You right. know, it's just once you get started. And I do think, like I said, even regardless of why people go on there, if you're spending all this time thinking about this one person and everyone you're around also is 
talking about how great this person that, that's why I think a lot of them fall apart later too because you're like in this mm-hmm. bubble and you're like oh they're great and then you get in real life and you're like oh wait we have nothing in common or our lives aren't compatible or whatever whatever but mm-hmm. I met a contestant once in a hot tub oh, in my old fun. building my first building in Chicago yeah he like lived in the building or, or his, his friend lived in the building or something and it was just wow. me and my roommate and him and this other guy we were like talking he was like I was on The Bachelor I was like no you weren't I hadn't watched that season and then I googled it later and he had been but oh well <laughs> oh I would totally go back and watch that season <laughs> I should have okay so that was my <laughs> that was my research that turned into a really long discussion well and we should actually wrap this up because the bachelorette is about to start okay yes yeah, sorry <laughs> it's Monday what else do we do I forget at the end of books or at the end of um, episodes we, have to do we don't have to talk about the next book because this is the last book okay um we, oh we have to tell dad joke oh yeah whose turn is it I think it's I don't know but I have one ready okay if you want me to tell you one well I have one but I don't know if it's appropriate for our podcast Ooh, now you have to tell me. <laughs> okay, wait, we can edit it out or whatever. Wait, let me pull it up so okay. I don't ruin it. Is it dirty? Yeah, a little bit. Well, it's <laughs> it's not like... Well, let me just tell it. Okay. Oh my god, that's the worst <laughs> joke I've ever heard. I don't know why I wanted to tell you that one when I read it, but... <laughs> I've like never heard something like that come out of your mouth before. I'm a whole different woman. <laughs> Mary Katie is such a different person. <laughs> oh man. Well now mine is <laughs> mine is like so childish in comparison. Okay, tell me, tell me. Do you want to hear mine? Yes. I I just got the job as the senior director of the old McDonald farm. I'm now the CIEIO. <laughs> wow. Uh. So you told a sex joke and I told a nursery rhyme joke. Awesome. Yours was funny, though. I don't know why I wanted to even share that one, but I read it, and I was like, I need to remember this for the podcast. I don't, so, but then the whole time I was like, this, we'll have to edit it out because it's inappropriate, so. You know what I'll do? I'll I'll bleep it out so people will, like, not know what we said, but then they'll (laughs) still see my reaction. Uh, Okay. Okay. Um, oh everyone get in touch please <laughs> yeah we're still on facebook or instagram at mnktalkya or you can email us at mnktalkya at gmail.com send us dirty jokes this week that we won't share on our podcast but we'll just get a really big kick out of <laughs> we'll giggle about yeah. or share your thoughts on the bachelorette open to that too but but i watch it a day late so send them on tuesdays or wednesdays okay okay well i'm about to go watch it right now so bye bookworms Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.